Hey, Brain Noodles listeners, just a quick announcement about the Geeks Like Us community before we get started with today's episode. Did you know that Geeks Like Us has a Twitch channel? This upcoming week, July 6th through the 11th, we are actually hosting a fundraiser for the organizations related to Black Lives Matter. Join our creators and our special guests as we continue to dive through the lore of Bloodborne. Learn how Life is Strange can be used in classrooms to teach our students, and even how to be a pro-social gamer, especially in environments that might not necessarily be the nicest to us. You can find us at twitch.tv slash geekslikeus. And yes, that is geeks with two threes. Come join the conversation, just watch us play video games, and help us raise money for great causes. Welcome to Brain Noodles. This is the podcast where I get to sit down and talk with some of my friends about the different things their brain's noodling on, what we're doing, what games we're playing, and just life in general. I am Dr. Megan Connell, your host, uh, co-founder of Geeks Like Us, DM for Psychology, or no, DM for Clinical Role, and I host Psychology at the Table. There we go. Also, psychologist in private practice, virtually and face-to-face in a few different states. And I'm joined today by two amazing people. Uh, I'm going to go to our sort of newish guest who's only come on a couple of times. Amelia, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Amelia Herbst. I am the community manager of Geeks Like Us. I'm also the producer and audio editor of Brain Noodles. Um, So I do all the fun behind the scenes stuff like, you know, quiet people's dogs and cut out other noises that everyone apologizes for that you don't have to apologize for. Um, (laughs) I'm also a psychotherapist in community mental health right now and a clinical psychology doctoral student who is very soon moving to Washington State to start my last year of clinical internship. Yay! And to round us out, (laughs) I'm Dr. Sarah Sawyer. I'm, um, uh, I I do stuffs on Geeks Like Us, I'm more of a, a personality, I guess, I like I'm here. And then I am also on Thuppence on Thursdays where we play silly video. Well, the video games aren't silly, but we're silly while we play games and we're a variety stream. So we do all kinds of fun things. Um, and then I'm also, now that it is officially official um, and public, I'm vice president of Queer Women of Esports. I also uh, do work with Leyline geek therapy training, and I'm a clinician in the Seattle, Washington area in private practice. So here I am. Oh, and I'm also clinical contributor for Take This. Yeah, we're all busy. Yeah, lots of stuff. There's all the stuff that's going on. So I'm so glad to get to talk to you guys. Like, this is just, we're in uh, quarantine week 5,000. I think that's about right. Uh, how, How are you all doing? Which is a loaded question these days. I recognize that. Mm-hmm. Getting better, um, at least with the quarantine part of it. I think I'm officially at a place where I would have been anywhere at this point, which is other than a class that I'm teaching and um, you know seeing clients 
pretty much all of my other free time was going to be doing stuff like this uh, for Geeks Like Us and for the Pennsylvania Psychological Association, but also um, just packing and getting ready to move. So I'm like where I'm supposed to be. It just happened like two months sooner than it was supposed to, which was a transition for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as that stuff goes, that's fine. Um, as far as the continued movements and all of the other not so fun, gross stuff that we read about in the news every day. It's like, ugh. I mean, I try not to read the news when I get up in the morning now to like start the day off on a good foot and then tackle that stuff later, you know? Yeah. Very fair. Um, I'm tired. I was sick yesterday. Um, feeling a little better today. A lot of mental fog lately, a lot of stress. Um, a lot of family stuff going on. Got some uh, sickness and unfortunately people passing away. Um, it's all, it's all unfortunate and, um, I'm also finding moments of happiness and funny little things that are happening. I'm finding resiliency during this time and small things to enjoy or embrace. Um, That's how I am. Yeah. Yeah. I think that noise kind of sums up how like, there's definitely like a lot of anxiety that just comes and like, you know, it's just such a strange time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like trying to understand like being conscientious and thoughtful about like how to go out and engage in the world but also to not let fear dictate everything um, and trying to understand like reasonable risk versus unreasonable risk and like questioning your own thoughts and being like is this an irrational fear or am I rationally worrying about this thing um, it's yeah it's weird I don't know That that's <laughs> the summary of the whole thing it's a weird time mm-hmm. and uh how have you all been doing like what have you been playing recently what, what are the games that you're enjoying you first let's see i'm still playing stardew valley um i think i've put about 60 hours into it at this point i shared that recently and i got a it's a lot of time and I'm just like and I'm playing other games on top of that. Um I'm I've revisited Borderlands 3 but I'm doing it on the computer cuz I have friends that want to play with me but then they've actually not played with me. So I'm like just slowly <laughs> making my way through the storyline again <laughs> by myself. Nice. Um other than that, I started Assassin's Creed Origins which um probably one of my favorite times in like history is Ancient Egypt. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to play it because I love Ancient Egypt and mythology there. Um, I don't like the whole having to be a sneaky assassin. I've just got done playing a bunch of games where I was a hack and slash. You run into situations with a sword and you just swing and then like you you are successful for the most part. Um, so I'm trying to get used to those mechanics but I mean it's beautiful. Like the graphics are amazing and I'm enjoying just running around and like looking at like the statues and like the pyramids and stuff. So that's what I'm doing. That's awesome. I've been playing Animal Crossing. Um, Take a shot. Take a uh shot, yep. (laughs) I also have been playing a little bit of stuff here and there. Like, it's really weird. So for Thuppins, we always have games going that I haven't been mentioning on here. But um, 
and or like for Career Women of Esports, we did our debut stream on Sunday of this previous week, which in Timey Wimey for the podcast listeners was on the 14th. Um, and so to prepare, um, because Gamer Doc, the the president and person I was playing the game with had, we had done a fundraiser for Black Lives Matter and um, raising money for the uh, the bail fund in Minnesota. Um, we had met a goal where she had to play a horror game. And so we played Friday the 13th, which is multiplayer. So I played some of that. I had a great time. I like scary things, so I didn't mind. <laughs> Everybody else, not so much. Uh, <laughs> I feel like in multiple circles, that's, I'm the, one of the few people who likes like scary stuffs and spoopy. I know Amelia, you're also an exception down there. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> there's not many of us around. <laughs> so well, yeah, I, my friend John Anzo, uh, we have a uh, VR system at our work and we got a horror game for it. And like one clinician went in there and like after he got like halfway through it, he like was having a panic attack because it was just like so many jump scares and so scary. But uh John was in it and he's walking around going, this is so cool. And he's like poking out a painting. He's like, oh my God, the face has just changed. This is amazing. And then running around and being like, look at that thing that just jumped out at me. That was awesome. So. The more I get to know John, the less that surprises me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely an interesting one to watch play horror games. I've been playing, um, so a while ago, Humble Bundle did a, um, video game board game bundle so it was board games that have been put online to so you could play them online but uh we found there's one on there called potion explosion which i think the board game would be really challenging to play so it's a marble game where you pull marbles out and if you get the same color mar marbles to knock together you get those ones and you're having to do these chain reactions um it's cool, but also at the same time, I could see that being a little bit confusing and frustrating. And I have young children and the marbles most certainly would go missing. Um, uh -huh. But playing it like through the computer has been a lot of fun. And so I'm slowly like upping my skill level and playing against harder and harder AIs. So I've, it's a silly game. I could play it in about 15 minutes. Um, really enjoying that one. That's that and awesome. Sim 6, I'm about ready to win as Canada again. So. I know nothing of such games. Save is super fun, but I like playing Canada because uh, the AI can't uh, declare a surprise war on you. They have to go through a couple of steps because you have the three faces of peace as Canada. <laughs> so it's I wish cool. I had the brain capacity for games like that. You do. It's just spent right now. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. It's in other places instead. Mm-hmm. I will say that playing the Civ games, like, well, we talked about this in games that changed how we see the world. Like, that's... It, changed how I view global politics, my understanding of global politics. It's a cool game. Well, anyway, and are y'all like up to anything cool? And Amelia, you're packing. So that's, you are discovering all of the crap you had that you had forgotten about. Yeah, um, and it's interesting because I'm only taking the stuff that I consider like important. So I'm seeing a bunch of the crap that I have and I'm like, do I, do I like bite the bullet and just get rid of it now and don't think about it? Or do I put it away and then when I eventually move homes, when I move home and then we up, upgrade or whatever, do I go through it then? So I'm trying to like challenge myself to actually go through stuff now. But I mean, like it, it's, I think for me, it's like going through clothes and being like, clearly I'm taking most of my clothes with me since I'll be out there for a year or so. Um, 
and that's been scary like that's overwhelming um but then like i'm taking my instruments with me because i'm going to be there for a year and that's something that i can do and then all the electronic stuff and then it's not fun i don't like packing (laughs) that's that's just that's my summary you're right it's not fun yeah Well, as usual, logistics, but um, we're starting to plan for camping. My wife has never been camping, so I'm excited about that. Um, And it's always nice to get fun new, you know, get new camping supplies. Um, Well, there's not too much going on. Just trying to get the puppy outside so she doesn't have accidents. I don't know. That's always important. Doing a lot of writing. Writing an article with some of our peers on Persona 5 and post-traumatic growth. So that's kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. How about you? I've been, like, it's weird. It's one of those things of, like, not super busy, but also busy on trying to figure out energy and energy being put into writing versus building my practice versus teaching versus creative endeavors versus family time um and trying to figure out the balance therein and what where i want you know you only have a finite amount of spell slots and we want to spend them in the way that makes the most sense uh, but i have not figured out what that way is yet and so um we'll see we'll see if i can figure it out eventually <laughs> Well, cool. Well, we will take a quick break. And when we come back, we will have our main discussion for today. Hey, I'm Jonathan Anslow. You can catch me on Retronathan Fridays at 430, where I'll be playing various indie games that feature a retro aesthetic. Come reminisce with me about a time when chiptune and pixel art ruled. And we're back. So what we were going to talk about today was this concept of change and personal change and personal growth and all of that. Um, and I, I kind of want to lead this discussion off with talking about when I was in grad school, I remember, um, I think it was in my ethics class, is one of our professors there was talking about how a fundamental truth of the work we do with people is that people don't change until it becomes too painful to remain the same. And of everything I've learned in grad school, I think that is the thing that sticks with me the most and that I think about day to day, like when I'm working with a client and trying to understand like how much pain they're experiencing due to the problems that they have um, as an indicator of what their motivation to change is. And then helping them understand that change is probably one of the most difficult things humans can do and that it is painful. Um, But like with everything that's been going on with, you know, in America and across the globe, arguably, like it started here, but we've really you know, we're having global protests on, you know, systemic racism and trying to correct things. We're working on changing as a whole culture and that's hard. And I, I don't know, want to hear your thoughts on it and what you all think about change and how we change and all of that good stuff. <sighs> change. It's what gives us job security. That's always my first thought. (laughs) Because we're terrible at it as humans. It takes six weeks for the brain, on average, to build a new habit. Um, And until then, it's just more effort. And we're not very good at doing something like that for a long time when it's 
foreign to us. I mean, the, the science stacks against us, but it's important to change, especially when it comes to like, I think about apologies and I think about job security. I think about apologies because there's two pieces to a legitimate apology in my personal opinion. Um, one is ownership and two is uh, commitment and follow through of change. So like if you're going to mess up, you have to acknowledge it and then you have to be willing to make effort towards not doing it again or it's not an actual apology because you don't like, do you mean it? So that's where mine my brain goes when it comes to change, but we are at a time where change is not only inevitable, but absolutely necessary for the world to improve and or for all of us to survive. Mm -hmm. Like wearing masks is a big change. Right now, a lot of people are tired of the effort it takes to protect themselves from COVID and forgetting their masks or not wearing their masks or relaxing. And this is the time to double down rather than well, not double down, but at least maintain. I don't know. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> so if we look at change overall, so if I think about just general change, like not even specifically what we're going through right now, um, I hate change, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is funny since I'm like packing up my life and about to move to the opposite end of the country. Um, but, you know, I think I went through a lot of change when I was younger. Actually, I'm going to quote Kelly for a minute. Let me just lay down on the couch now. Um, <laughs> um, I went through a lot of change when I was younger. And I think that for me, like keeping a homeostasis and like not changing, like it's like a control freak thing for me. Um, I've been so much more flexible the older that I've been getting. And clearly since I'm willing to move across the country and away from my friends and family, I'm like more open to it. But I think that I never, probably because, you know, we don't change until things are painful. And I think at times I didn't like change because change was painful. Um, you know, just having to come out of the homeostasis and be able to tackle things head on was just too much. Um, for some reason, that's just a lot about me. So if we have any other psychologists that are listening to this, they're like, hmm, that's, what's your family like? Anyway, <laughs> for the record, like I study systems. So that's the one reason why I'm just like, what's my family like? <laughs> but in a lot of cases, change is good. In most cases, change is good. Um, even if change is bad, normally, in, in some cases, I know that there are people that'll be like, change is not always good. Um, something might still be good that comes out of it. But then I think about like the mask example for COVID. Like it has been, so I've been leaving to go to work. Um, I work in a community mental health center we use this program that's a little hard for me to put on my laptop. So there's only like six of us in the building, I think. So I still drove into work um, during this whole process uh, because technically I was considered essential. And because I was doing that and because I need to wear my mask in like the common areas, I have gotten so used to grabbing that mask before I walk out of my office, before I get out of the car. So for me, as much as I hated that change when it first started, it already became a habit for me. And I'm like, trying to spread that optimism. And I think that we don't realize how flexible we really are, especially if we're doing something over and over and over again. You know, if the ma if us wearing masks becomes something that carries on throughout the summer as we go into public places, I think a lot more people are going to realize how they're still looking for it, even after things might become safer again for us, you know? When I think about, like, I... I 
know some people who have kids in daycare um, or were in daycare and in the, in the before times. And one of these people had shared with me about how um, their child's daycare enacted a new cleaning protocol that year, this previous year, um, where all door handles get sanitized daily. doesn't feel like a huge change. Most people don't even see it, but the cleaning staff was required to clean the door handles each day. And simply by that one small change, no child until COVID shutdowns, no child and no staff member had gotten the flu, which wow. is abnormal for a, you know, kids are germy, adults are germy. But then I also think about like, when it comes to the idea of personal change, like I, I, I don't know, I kind of roll with change. Some, it depends on the kind of change that I'm required to make. Like wearing a mask, I'm pretty flexible about it. I'm, I tend to be a fairly flexible person um, in that sense. But when it comes to like big scale change, like coming out was a big, oof, that's a lot of life change. But we think about change and the older we get, the more used to change we are and yet the less changes we have to understand or make. And so then I feel like there's that dynamic between like work for kids. Um, that's why they like to watch movies over and over and over. Cause there's so many surprises in life, so many changes to make so many adaptations to things they don't understand or changes to viewpoints. They thought they understood that like, finally something they can rely upon know and be the expert about because there's so much evolving around them. But I find that it's helpful when we think about either making changes that are, um, I do really well when I have changes in habits, for example, um, that I can automate. So like if there's an alarm to remind me, like I have an Apple watch, it tells me to stand up every hour and working as a therapist, we do a lot of sitting. And so it's really great because it reminds me to stand up. And that is something that I did not have. That's a change, but also it's automated. And so I don't have to think about it, but it's something that's adapting my habits. Um, so finding ways we can automate is something that I really enjoy because then I don't have to worry about it. But that's, we also have to be careful not to hit like a threshold where, for example, um, I worked in integrated health for my internship and that's where you work in a medical clinic and you work side by side with medical doctors and nurses and everybody in a medical community clinic. And then you like go in the moment during a medical visit to help somebody when they report like symptoms of depression. You're like, Hey, how you doing? My name's Sarah. I'm going to just pop in here and chat with you about depression and little things you can do to feel better. Um, there were alerts in our electronic health record system that would pop up for each client. So if someone had diabetes, it would pop up and be like, hey, this person's diabetic, check their blood. Um, but you get fatigue from seeing those every time. So you just start closing them without reading them when like there could be an alert that's really important to someone's medical chart. So there's a lot of talks in the like programming sector and electronic health record sector of like, how do we prevent burnout of notifications and window pop-ups so that providers are continuing to see that important information because it gets nasty. So a balance between automation works really well for me as long as it's not like burnout mode, like phone game alerts. I, I never endorse them because <laughs> I will not play that game anymore. I'll just get annoyed with it and delete it. Yeah. <laughs> Opposite effect. You know, it, it, it's interesting too, because like as um, you know, where I am, we're working on opening back up. Um, that might be changing. <laughs> we're really trying to 
open up. And so it's, there's a lot more people wanting to come into be seen face to face in the office and like having to get used to cleaning, like Clorox wiping down, like fabric sofas and things. I don't know if that's effective, but that's the best I got. Um, and like moving from where I've now become comfortable of providing therapy from my home office, doing the telehealth and working from home and having that convenience and then going back into the office and like adjusting to that change and like trying to figure out what's the better change or what's the better alternative to go into the work from the office or to work from home and to have higher contact with the family. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. And I think it's like, I, I talk a lot in sessions with people about knowing things. So like knowing it up in your head versus knowing it, like feeling it and believing it like in your body. And like, I think it's one thing to know that we can all work from home, that we can do teletherapy. And it's another thing to really know and be like, oh, wow, no, this is actually a viable, good option for a lot of people. Um, it's, it's interesting just to see the adjustments and how we're dealing with that and what it's going to look like once, if we come to the other side of this. Teletherapy, that's an awesome, that's an awesome example of change. Um, and needing for things to be painful in order to change. And then, so I've been doing teletherapy as I think we all have, um, those of us that practice and I, I'm still not the hugest fan of it. Um, just because, you know, with the internet issues and stuff, I get, I personally get frustrated really easily, but I still like being able to see my clients. Um, but I realized in the particular community that I live in, we have some people that are, they, they're so poor or they're so sick that they need to get mental health services, but they can't get to us. And us being able to do telehealth, all of a sudden we're seeing these people. Like I've seen more homebound individuals over the last two months than I have the entire time that I worked at my job. And they're like, we're really hoping this is something that can stick. And I think my organization is going, well, we proved that we can do it. So why, why not continue it and why not continue to help these people out, you know, um, making sure that they're getting seen and making sure that like, you know, it's not taking crisis to attempt to coordinate, to get them to us. And then for them to never show up again, cause they don't have transportation. Um, you know, that was a change I hated. I hated telehealth. Like I, like I hated starting it. And then the benefits of it, just shown through so much stronger than any little frustration that I have about the internet blipping out and me missing like, you know, a whole five minutes of somebody's session, you know? There's a lot of conveniences to it, but it's also one of those like, it's a format not everybody used and it's a format that most of my clients didn't want. And I totally understand that. And we talked about it. I shared with them their options. And then when we tried it, they were like, oh, this isn't as far off as I thought it might be. Um, but I noticed I have facial fatigue. <laughs> like I emote more, <laughs> but my face muscles have, have become better. Um, I don't know about y'all, but it's one of, but then there's also the changes of like, where are you telecommuting from? Are you telecommuting from an office that is closed, but you are still in the office? Are you telecommuting from home? Like I have two dogs. They're barky. So it's hard. Changes the challenge. I was slowly but surely uh, sound dampening my entire office 
in the before times. And now it's like, how do I transition all of that to my apartment? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Well, and it's interesting too, because think about like just how much the working from home is changing the work environment. Um, You know, several companies have finally realized that employees don't need to be in the office to be effective and that, you know, you can be effective while working from home and that, you know, things like Zoom calls and other things are great ways to connect and still check in with one another, but you don't actually have to physically be in the same space. And like that could have some really interesting, long lasting uh, ramifications for the workforce and what our quality of life looks like. Because like, if you think about Sarah, you live in Seattle, like the rent is a little high there, right? A little, just a little, like one of the top five highest rents in the United States behind, we have Eclipse, San Francisco, and New York City is higher, Washington DC is higher, and I think LA is higher, otherwise we're up there. Yeah, but like imagine being able to work at a company that's based in Seattle without having to pay rent in Seattle by, because you're getting to telecommute in and like that's a humongous change and like I, I think you were, we were alluding to this earlier but like our environment's not doing so hot <laughs> and like but the the um the environment's improving drastically currently yeah yeah it's like, <laughs> drastically I, I, I did see a a meme, I think it was like, Mother Nature decided to put us all in time (laughs) out. Right. (laughs) That's so accurate. Yeah. But like, it's it's a showing of like, okay, we can still work. Life isn't quite the same as it was, but that's okay. We can adapt and change to that. And the environment's better. A lot of, for some people, like this has been a really big improvement for their mental health of like, oh, I don't have to sit in gridlock traffic for an hour each day. You know, I don't have to go into the office and get distracted, you know, like being in a noisy place where I don't concentrate well, I can just sit in my home office and do the things I need to do and get up and take a break when I need to and get get my work done. And this is great. Um, I know it'd be really, I made this little like pie in the sky idealist of me, but it'd be really cool to see if like we are able to kind of have a bit of an exodus from the cities and let people go into smaller communities again and live in smaller communities and do remote work to work for these larger companies and corporations that we do. That would be lovely. I also know from an accessibility standpoint, it's a lot more accessibility friendly to be able to work from home or have different adaptations with telecommuting and I'm worried that workplaces are going to be very hurried to move back because it's revolutionizing the way we all have to interact in a workplace where like we can't have an open door policy when we're miles apart. Sure, but you could have open workspaces. You could do body doubling, but that's foreign to a lot of people. What if they don't know how to work Zoom or like... What if they don't know how to work whatever telehealth app? Like I was so thankful that last year, as much as it was awful that I had a family member have surgery and I had to go home and help um, support them in their healing process, I had to figure out telehealth sooner than COVID. And I had an I had a contract. Um, I had the the like paperwork in place for consent and everything else, and I had the app downloaded 
now I have to pay for it because so many people went to it because it was a free HIPAA compliant app. But now I pay for it and it still works great. Um, but I had that set up before COVID and I just had to change some of the language, which was mm-hmm. great. But that's a change that a lot of us had a big uptick in having to figure out. Or like parents working from home. Yeah, right. <sighs> Talk about a change for everybody. Yeah. Ugh. It's a lot. Yeah, you no, that's true too. Like teaching remotely and like understand, you know, and like there's this hard thing too of like we are all, all going through change and like we're changing, we're adapting, we're being cool about it for the most part, right? But then it's also humans crave stability. And this is part of why we don't like to change because change by definition is not stability, it is something new. And uh, so like we're adapting, but then it's like, we're trying to also project into the future so that we can try to give ourselves the illusion of stability. It's like, if I can predict something that I can control it, that's not true, but we like to tell ourselves that it makes our anxiety feel better. But uh, it's uh, such a challenge though, because like we can't look into the future. You know, I I know a lot of people I'm working with are getting ready to go off to college and they're not sure what that's going to look like. You know, it's this thing of like, well, I'm being told that we're going to go for the fall semester. And then after the fall semester, spring semester is completely online. <laughs> but they're going to go physically for fall semester. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's huh. weird. Yeah. I would imagine it would be the other way around. Hmm. Huh. But that still might change too. You know, yeah. Like we haven't gotten word from our public schools as to what they're doing this fall. We know the school year is going to start early, two weeks earlier than it normally does but that's it like we don't know if the kids are actually physically going into the school or if it's going to be going part-time into the school and sometime at home and so like trying to figure out how do we work and what does that look like yeah um i think for for my clinical internship um they've been working so where i'm going not what i'm currently doing where they're where i'm going um we're actually supposed to have a meeting uh, me, the other clinical intern and our training director, we're supposed to get together and talk about it. And even she's like, I'm going to answer the question you both already have, which is, we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know if we're still going to be at home. We don't know if we're going to be in the office, but doing telehealth, we don't know if we're seeing clients face to face yet. Like the university that I'm going to is supposed to open in the fall, but we don't know what counseling services is going to look like. Cause that's a lot of close face-to-face time, which is what therapy tech technically is. And so it's just like, you know, and it's hard, you know, especially for someone like me, I'm, move, I'm purposely moving out there to be close to the university and I am perfectly okay with moving for the year, even if it's all, if it all ends up being online, but it's also, you know, still kind of at the same time, it's like, I mentally had a different idea of how this was going to look. And now all of a sudden it's like, who knows, I might move out there and sit in an apartment the whole time that I live out there. I mean, I'll, I'll, there's good nature things to visit. Yeah. Lots of hikes. I'm going to have camping gear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That's just, it, it's hard, you know, and like when we think about like, as our culture is trying to change and like, there's, um, a podcaster and YouTuber, I I enjoy their work, uh, CGP Gray. And he, talks about this concept of like the 
necessary lies of civilization and that there's certain things that we just tell ourselves are true even though they're not true um but if we didn't believe them our society couldn't operate the way it does and i think like a few of those lies are really being challenged in big ways and uh we're kind of at this point where us uh, meaning like us as a full culture are deciding like are we going to continue to believe that these lies are true or are we going to actually like acknowledge that no the emperor does have no clothes on he is naked <laughs> there is no fabric we need to do something about this <laughs> strange mm -hmm. well, then the world's also changing in a good way too mm -hmm. what's your favorite change you've made in the last while mine seems so stupid <laughs> no judgment Mm -hmm. This was a change I made well before COVID, but it's one that I've stuck with and I feel really good about. Um, I have switched from using body wash to using bar soap. Good job. Cool. And I did it for environmental reasons and like yeah. hygiene reasons because thinking about it like, okay, so I was using this loofah that's made out of plastic, arguably like, yeah, recycled plastic, but it can't be recycled from the loofah that can grow bacteria and everything in it. So I'm taking plastic and bacteria and using that to clean my body didn't seem to make sense. And then getting the soap in a plastic bottle when I can just buy soap that comes in a little cardboard box that's going to decompose and just use the soap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a stupid change. But I, like, I, I'm enjoying it and I always feel like, yeah, I like that I'm using soap. <laughs> that's excellent. Well, I feel like those small, like, small changes contribute to overall sense of well-being. I don't have studies in front of me, friends, but I have faith in that being true, that the small change, like think about, okay, so CBTI, which is um, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, is one of the, it's like the most researched back, rapid changing, like thing you can intervene with. So if you make small changes to your sleep hygiene, like going to bed an hour earlier or having a consistent sleep and wake time or turning screens off an hour before bed, all of those things will have almost immediately helpful effects. Um, it's the most effective to, uh, that it's, it's the last research I read said that it was, it was like one of the most impactful treatment interventions you can use. So that's a change. It's a small change, like switching from body wash to bar soap. But I think that it's monumental in your sense of like satisfaction with your routine and soap is something we have to use every single day especially right now we have to use so much soap so that's great in defense of the bar yes <laughs> how about you amelia i've been thinking about it um i was even trying to think of something like that like you know am i drinking a different kind of coffee creamer um <laughs> but i think what i've started doing recently is when I'm feeling very strongly about something, this is a deeper one. Um, when I start feeling strongly about something and if it involves another person or if I can talk to somebody through it, I am addressing that sooner rather than later. I've definitely been a person in the past that I will sit with something until it like, eats my insides out. Like for instance, I had a conversation with Sarah about something that happened at uh, PAX West and I didn't talk to her about it until January and she was just kind of like, oh, well, this is where you thought differently than what I was thinking. And I was like, oh, that's good to know. 
you know, maybe if I would have just yeah. said something sooner, like I wouldn't have sat with it for months. Um, Perspective is everything. Exactly. Yeah. So, nothing wrong with Sarah or nothing wrong with our like friendship. No, it was just kind great. of one of those things. It was it a was really just... heartfelt conversation. I, I was happy to help communicate and get on the same page about that. It was enlightening. At first I was like, wait, what was that topic? What was the conversation? And there's like, oh yeah, I remember now. <laughs> it just it just came up today because I once again, instead of waiting months until or until something else happened, mm-hmm. um, we got off of a meeting, you know, around one, and mm-hmm. I texted um our friend Dr. Emery Daniels and I said, if you have like five minutes, can you talk to me? <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and just being able to quickly be like, okay, I just want to clarify something with you slash blah, 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 blah. And like getting that whole conversation out of the way Mm -hmm. right after I started like not knowing how I felt about something, it just helped to get the clarity immediately. That's a huge change for me. I'm typically like, I'll figure it out. I'll hunker down. It'll come up, you know, in the next week or two or 10 or years and it'll be fine. You know, (laughs) totally proud of you. Good change. What about you? For you, Sarah. (sighs) Oh, Well, as I said, I mean, okay, so for those listeners who don't know, although I'd be shocked at this point if you've heard our previous episodes, I have ADHD. Uh, So I'm pretty good at rolling with change and or like I'm very flexible with things shifting. Um, And so I think for me, a change has been trying to reinforce routine and not overloading my plate. Um, And so that's kind of a two-parter in the same vein of like, how do I create structure for myself? How do I make sure that I have everything I need at the, at my fingertips? How do I promote my own like ability to focus and do stuff? Um, and so I've been figuring out that system. Um, and so I'd say the biggest change that I'm really proud of is probably just coming up with a way to get myself organized in this new time and this new like everything like I was like how do I get how do I get this thing from that place from the blah blah how do I do telemedicine like all of those things if I'm overwhelmed my internal my brain being the jerk that it is uh is like just don't don't worry about that right now don't do that right now you can just do what about this other thing you have like eight things on your plate just do the other thing and then the and then that thing that I was avoiding just keeps sitting And so I'm trying to stop that system from happening when literally everything is different. So routine, I guess. That's an important change. Yeah. Which is it? And never, it's an evergreen chore. That's never going to go away. I will always have to continue harping on that. Well, there's lots more we could talk about with change. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about what we've been noodling on and some other things. Hey Brain Noodles listeners, did you know that Geeks Like Us has a Discord server? We want you to join us to talk about your geeky interests, or even just to come by the Brain Noodles channel to discuss what you've been noodling on. Our Discord information can be found on our Twitter, at G33KSLIKEUS. We hope to see you there! We're back. Um, I want to do something though, since before we jump into uh, what we've all been noodling on, I want to hear like, what are some things that you all have been doing for self-care and like, just to take care of yourself? But it, it, like, what things have you been enjoying? Like uh, just, you know, bringing a little bit of breathing room into your life. That's an excellent question. This was the question I hated answering on internship interviews. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know what breathing room is. Can you tell me what that is? <laughs> See, beginning of this episode where we all said we're busy. Yes. My life is like a corset if you're talking about breathing room. <laughs> <laughs> hey, corsets help me breathe. Like they're, they're awesome. Really? Well, I have, uh, so disclosure for, uh, I have a condition from having babies where my abdominal muscles are not together. Ah. And so like, uh, there's it's condition. And if I overstrain myself with my core, uh, my organs can herniate outside of my abdominal wall and kill me. Um, let's not have that. Yeah. Habit. Agreed. Let me actually like live a life and do things and not have to worry so much because, uh, awesome. according to medical coding to get my abdominals fixed, it's coded as a tummy tuck, which is not covered by any insurance. or anything. <sighs> That's absurd. That's insane. Uh, yep. <laughs> nice deviation. Um, I guess yeah. I can, I guess I can jump in. Um, <laughs> so I've been doing two things. Um, one of them is not feeling guilty about getting the chance to sit down and play video games. Um, it's actually something I've been covering in my therapy, um, which is, it's the one thing that allows me to like full disconnect because of the type of games that I play. So it's easy for me to be able to sit down and play a game like The Witcher and then just be able to like, f- like hard disconnect for a while. Um, which I ultimately do end up feeling better and more sharp and able to engage in more stuff afterwards. Um, as far as like outside of that, um, I recently bought a cello and I am, you can kind of, listeners can't see it, but you can kind of see like the ends poking right there. Um, giving myself at least a half an hour to an hour a day where I just sit there and figure it out. It, allows me to once again hard disconnect from everything else that's going on because it requires a lot of time and attention on my end but it also allows me to work through something um you know i'm challenging myself i'm you know i'm putting the gap back in my fingers i don't know if you guys can see that um to be able to stretch so pinky stretch yeah um so and then realizing how much music just brings me joy in general and then being able to make it myself. It's like a good, it is a good breath of fresh air. Even if at times I just sit down for 10 minutes to pluck something out, you know? Yeah, I just, for my breath of fresh air, um, we just finished watching The Good Place. Um, oh, if you've not watched that show, show, it's so good. Um, so well-written and just cute. And it, it is just... It's lovely. It's like definitely a needed kind of break and perspective on humanity and everything that was cool. Um, and I think it's really interesting how a comedy show makes a really awesome argument for why it's important to study philosophy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very fair. I, I was talking about The Good Place today with a client. Um, it's a good show. We are talking about moral choices, and it's hard sometimes when you're trying to do well. Breath of fresh air, probably literally walking the dogs. I'm trying to take Fury out more reliably because she's had a couple accidents. It, we were spoiled having our first puppy be a Border Collie because he understood potty treating very quickly. Um, Fury, not so much. She's a Catahoula bulldog mix, and she's definitely got that stubborn bulldog who cares I'm in the moment I'm playing, who has time to stop and alert you that I have to do anything. I'm just going to pee right here. So 
going outside a lot and getting good fresh air and making her have routine makes me have routine. So that's my, I think, my theme of the day, perhaps. <laughs> the more routine I use, the better off I do and the better I feel. Um, but that or remodeling my uh, Animal Crossing Island because I'm trying to remodel it. I've come up with the theme park map in my head of how I want it to look. So now I'm chipping at the cliffs because I'm too, I'm too stubborn to ask the cleanup crew and spend a bunch of money to make them do it. I'm doing it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So what's everyone's brains been noodling on recently? I'm still Can't looking anything. for a place to live. Um, Let me know if you want any tips. I might have to ask. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just having to look from all the way out here. So I'm actually, um, barring that we don't have any other major outbreak in the next month for COVID and things don't get shut down again, um, I am planning on taking like a two-day trip out to Washington to, mm -hmm. to physically look at physical locations. Uh, maybe not necessarily to actually view the inside of the apartment. Um, that's a, you know, single woman safety thing to do, uh, <laughs> to look at areas. Yeah. Um, but so that's a big thing. So really trying to narrow down a list, trying to get that together. Other than that, trying to create a routine again. Um, my schedule was my routine prior to COVID. And then it was a good two months of me just floundering around constantly. So I'm trying to do that again, especially if I end up being in a situation where I'm going to be working from home, you mm -hmm. know, with clients, I need to organize my brain a little bit better. Very fair. Nice. I have been noodling on Persona a whole bunch. For those of you who don't know, it's a JRPG game series about a group of wily teens trying to create some vigilante justice in the world, um, particularly Persona 5. And so uh, for those of you who also watch Thuppence, listeners will probably already have seen it um but we're contemplating playing persona this this thursday and i'm very thrilled about it because <laughs> it's just it's a bit weeby for those of you who know the anime world uh the bad guys that you face it's a turn-based combat game where you the main impetus of the game is social connection and bonding and healing with your peers um and so it's very Fascinating as a psychology person because Persona 5 in particular has critical themes of trauma all through it and post-traumatic growth and healing. So it's it's really cool to play and see and see people like overcoming some pain that they've been holding for a long time that sometimes debilitates them. There's also a character that is like basically they've endorsed that they designed her to be autistic and it's really cool to see that done fairly accurately. Um, and she becomes part of the team and the social acceptance is beautiful. Um, so Persona, I've been noodling about Persona a whole bunch. But awesome. the baddies you face are weird and sometimes shaped like penises. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been noodling about um, licenses, actually. Mm. Maybe a weird thing, but uh, you know, there's been a few headlines in the news recently of news outlets portraying things that just are not true um or mm -hmm. 
so grossly misrepresenting what's going on. It's almost like creating a fiction. Um, and I keep wondering, like, should there be a licensing process for members of the press? And like, you know, if we're having a huge issue with police brutality in America, and like, should people who work in public service have to be licensed, like doctors and psychologists there, you know, like, and I don't know if that's the solution, but it's something I've been definitely noodling on a lot in my brain of like, what, what could that look like? And what would the benefit be of having a licensing board for different professions and what would the benefits be but what also would drawbacks be and would that you know um because i i've spent a lot of the last few weeks really trying to intensely listen and understand problems but i i'm not one who likes to just complain i, I like to try to come up with solutions and mm -hmm. one of the ones that's been pinging around in my head so i'm thinking about that a lot i don't know if we'll do anything with it probably not but thought <laughs> that's fair <sighs> and there's that balance between like rules and gatekeeping mm -hmm. and like how people use it and abuse it or not but at least some rules like that happened here where there was a news outlet who spliced three photos of various yeah. things around seattle in different times and claimed that a man carrying an ak-47 was guarding the Chaz, which is the a neighborhood, the Capitol Hill neighborhood um, autonomous zone in Seattle, which is much more peaceful and like Woodstock than you think it is, according to the news. Um, but uh, it's it's like, oh, that that's not even close to accurate anymore. And it's concerning because it's like, how do we, wh to what standards do we uphold certain organizations, especially with the speakerphone that they carry? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and like that's it, listeners, if you think about like a lot of the way we talk, we really try to give like, this is my evidence for this. This is why, you know, we try to explain our rationale because we understand that being people who have studied human behavior and understanding, like we have a code of ethics that we are supposed to follow. And if we don't follow that, there are actually very severe ramifications for us. Mm -hmm. um, have you guys ever heard of the oatmeal? Yes. It's a comic website. Yep. The, not a sponsor. Uh, the Oatmeal, there's a comic that I've been referring to always um, in therapy with clientele and or in life, but also there is a comic by the guy who draws The Oatmeal that I like to refer to that actually makes a lot of sense in our conversation about change. Um, and I should look up what it's called. Um, it's, it's something like you won't believe uh, what I'm about to tell you. And I think he even has a poster of it because it's so popular, but it basically starts out talking about how like the beliefs and he does give receipts. You're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. Um, and he starts out talking about like, there's reasons your brain does this. It blocks out the information that's new that, that bugs you. But like, for example, George Washington had wooden teeth. What if I told you that he had dentures that were actually made of, gold lead hippopotamus ivory horse and donkey teeth you'd accept that right because it's not as like it's not inflammatory it's kind of weird it's silly it's kind of gross to think about but it's not bad now what if i told you that his teeth were made from slaves teeth how does that hit you differently and why because the brain doesn't like there's something that exists called cognitive dissonance where the brain doesn't you get you two know this but to the world listeners uh cognitive dissonance is where there's like um 
For example, it occurs mostly with us where our values don't match our behaviors. So like if I really value like human rights and equality, but then I behave in a way that contradicts that, like say I engage in a passive aggressive or aggressive act of racism, or I, I engage in a, or a, a microaggression, which is abundantly common because I grew up in, it, speaking of systems, a system where I, as a white woman, have, have privilege and have been, like, I, socialization has led me to things that I don't see that I do that, that push me up and push others down that is in conflict with the value that I have about equality. And so then I'm particularly uncomfortable because my behavior is not matching my, my beliefs. Much like on a piano or an instrument where you push two notes that are too close together, the concept of dissonance is like, it's uncomfortable because they're too close, but they're not right. It doesn't fit. And so when we hear things that we don't like that are inconvenient truths, like growing up, I love Chick-fil-A. I will never eat there again. Mourning the Chick-fil-A sauce, but they fundamentally do not support LGBTQ as like a belief system and I am queer. So I, I have to draw that line with my wallet and that is a personal choice and that is not stating the beliefs of geeks like us or anything. That's just an example of how for me, like I had to come to peace with that because as, as a person who is gay, I have to respect myself in that way and not support a business that does not support me. So that is how I came to odds with it. But change sometimes happens because of that discomfort because we have this cognitive dissonance and there's things like the news is supposed to be the place where journalism exists, where they tell us the cutting truth, the truth that is really deep and that no one wants us to know, but we know anyway. So why are they lying in that way with the photo or certain situations where they're fabricating truths? And it's like, never mind the whole discussion of the media. Yeah, Ooh, what a rabbit hole. Oh yeah, that's a hot topic for me too, mm -hmm. since mm -hmm. I study violence and oh, I don't gosh. necessarily agree with what they do sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just hard because, like, um, I really enjoy the Vlog Brothers, and um, Hank Green did a really interesting talk on this of like why it's important to trust experts, and like the fact that there's this conversation that happens nowadays where when we talk about something, we're like, I know I need to do my own research on this, and like that's cool that we're aware that we should be well informed and stuff, but like it comes this thing of it's like okay i heard a news story about blank do i really want to spend two hours researching blank so that i can have a fully informed opinion mm -hmm. because like sort of the idea of the news is like we're going to give you a quick summary of blank to let you know kind of what are the important things you need to know about it uh, which is of course always going to be biased of what are the most important things of something that you can spend hours or years studying mm -hmm. uh, yeah but if we don't trust that what's being told to us is reliable and honest like then we come into this thing of like i need to do it all myself i don't have mm -hmm. time then we become an uninformed public and that's why voting is such a challenge because we don't a lot there's so many candidates there's so much going on how do we know who to vote for and that's why like several people get overwhelmed and just don't vote but voting is going to be important it's always important yeah. And that's why in Australia, where the law is that you must vote, Daffy Duck wins every time. Or Donald Duck. <laughs> and the write-in votes. It's just a running joke. That's hysterical. Yeah. Because yeah. we, it's also energy to, to think about that. 
it's also a lot of energy to, to debate, like, what do we need? What is the solution? Yeah. Well, and we're spending a lot of time on my brain noodle. I apologize for that, but I, it's okay. I read a stat once and I, I, I apologize that I can't quote where I learned this from. So please due diligence, look this up as I'm talking about looking up fatigue, but essentially it was like, um, in like the 1890s, a year's worth of London times would have less information in it than one copy of a Sunday, um, New York times from this day and age. I don't know if that's true, but it seems like that's true. Cause there is, so, it's so dense. So I feel like logically that makes sense because there wasn't as much access to information as there is now. Mm-hmm. Like there was no internet. There was no, like, you couldn't talk to someone in North Carolina from Washington state or someone in Maryland, right? Maryland. Mar- <laughs> Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> the East coast to the close, West coast. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anyone. I'm terrible at geography. Fun fact. Uh, so like, but, but you think about like the accessibility to information also makes it hard. The fact that a lot of news stations, especially in the United States are based on, um, rating systems and, and, um, their source of income leads them to try to get more viewers understandably because they don't want to close because they're a company and they would like to not close because their jobs and jobs are good um like it did eh. a lot of system flaws <laughs> it's complicated we need to redo the system sorry going back to the good place there <laughs> <laughs> well that's where like sometimes i when we were even talking about change i was like ooh, my favorite way to go about change is when you have to flip the whole script so like when you move you can change all of your habits at home because you're in a new environment. Who says you can't break all of those rules that you're used to in the place that you're sitting right now for like, when I come home, this is the new behavior I do. This is just how it is in this space, that's it. Um, so it's a beautiful place for change when things are upended, but upending the world right now is very scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's what we need. We'll get through it. Well, we will. Thank you both for your time. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some of our other noodlers, hopefully. But Thank you, listeners. Thanks, everybody. Brain Noodles is a production of Geeks Like Us. Your hosts for this podcast are doctors Megan Connell, Kelly Dunlap, Rachel Cowart, and Sarah Sawyer. Music for this podcast is The Life of Riley by Kevin McLeod. Audio edited, mixed, and mashed by Amelia Herbst. Follow Geeks Like Us on Twitter at G33KS, like us, that's at G33KSLIKEUS. Until next time, keep noodling.